Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome everyone to Rock M Radio. This is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we've been here for six seasons. And now here with the 36th episode of season six, of course, here to talk about all your uh, Missouri basketball tigers. If you're uh, subscribed to this year YouTube channel or the uh, the podcast feed, you already got all your fix and before the box score and what those guys had to say, which was a, a colorful podcast uh, about uh Missouri football, and which was much more newsy this week, uh, thanks to the Destin meetings. Um, but Missouri basketball has been pretty quiet, so we're going to talk about what's been quiet. Uh, I'm your host, Sam Stelling. Um, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a little subscribe button. I believe it's down on this side. Uh, subscribe and like the post. Um, that way we show up with notifications and you get all your uh your episodes right away uh with me this side i gotta get used to this mirrored camera stuff uh this side is matthew j harris matt how are you uh i'm doing well uh i just want to take a moment to apologize and send out our our, our condolences to the fan bases in lexington and on the plains in tuscaloosa and in fayetteville I'm sorry that, that Kobe Brown has spurned you and has decided to go become a professional. We all know that he was committed to all of your schools simultaneously. Yeah. And he's and he spurned you all and left you in a lurch, and we are so sorry for that. So I just want to take a moment to pass along uh, that, that just, you're in our thoughts as Portal Season winds down. You're in our thoughts. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I, they may be in your thoughts, Matt. Um, I don't really care because, um, as we've been trying to like the the whole Kobe Brown saga was one of those things that uh, entailed more drama than it needed. Um, it was actually very boring since April. I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I have no doubts whatsoever that there were lots. Of programs who reached out to, uh, you know, anyone around Kobe Brown and tried to lure him into the transfer portal. Portal season uh, is tampering season. We, we always kind of thought it was it was it was very likely that if if is I think 
for me at least, and I, I think you probably agree, um, his language changed at that sort of public event at the car. I think it was a Kia dealership thing that yeah. he was doing like a public appearance. He was interviewed by several uh, folks. Believe you know, uh, uh, Gabe Yarman was first person to I think kind of tweeted out. Uh, ben Arnett had uh, you know some video context to it, um, but you know, in essence, the language sort of shifted from what we believed, which was he wanted to be a first round pick, to where he was focused on something guaranteed, uh, and as you and I both know, and uh, if you've been listening, if you're a long-term, long-time listener to this show, mm-hmm. um, then you probably know as well that the the range of like where guys kind of get guaranteed deals, multi-year deals, is in that like 45 to 50 range. If you're in the top 45 to 50, chances are you're getting a multi-year deal. Yeah. Uh, and so once he... he hinted at that versus you know maybe looking at first round which we thought was not likely um although he's getting a little bit more buzz towards that i i still think he's probably like a yeah the mock high 30s guy yeah mocks uh, got him in that 38 to 45 range he's kind of settled yeah. in there which is still a, a two to three year guarantee probably at the rookie min minimum but that's off the CBA, that's going to be at least a million to a million five. So he's going to be more than taken care of if, if he goes in that range. So it was, I think that was always, at least to us, the feeling was, even if he came back to Missouri, or even if Missouri was the only school really in play, you know, as we've said, it was just going to be really hard to make the money work. Um, he was also going to be the oldest guy in the draft pool next year. Um, He's already Maybe. like one of, if not the oldest guy in the draft pool yeah. this year. Yeah, he's technically twenty three point four, twenty three and a half years old. Basically, um, would have been twenty four if he'd come back this year. Would have been verging on twenty five by the time he got to his first legitimate rookie season. You know, you got to get through three years before you can really even begin to look at a rookie extension. So we're looking at twenty eight or twenty nine before he would have been at, you know, a, a second contract. So. I, I, you know, the math and, you know, and, you know, what he was going to get from a compensation perspective, I just don't think it would have taken something extraordinary to pull him back to college once he started cracking the top 45, just with, you know, his age and, you know, what he was going to do for, a, you know, to get to a second deal. And yeah, the, the language changed around mid-April, but I don't think that was surprising to anyone who had really been following the draft process here. He had... You know, there was nothing coming out of the combine that you know made you think he interviewed poorly. There was nothing coming out of reports such as they were from teams that he was interviewing poorly, you know, on team visits. So did his stock, you know, explode into the late first round? No, but I mean, he solidified himself a, a guaranteed contract. And anybody who knows, you know, you know, Kobe Brown been around the program at all the last few years. That should not be a surprise to you at all. Um, all accounts are terrific kid, really smart kid. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's like an honor roll, um, three, yeah. eight level kid. kid too. Yeah. So yeah. like really, you know, smart, um, good, really, really good support network around him. Really, really strong circle around him. 
advising this very, had a, very personable so yeah. had a really and his agency is priority sports which is a highly highly reputable agency they don't sign you know it's anybody if they're if you're signing with priority you're probably a guy that's got legitimate draft opportunities um so he was getting good information he's got a good circle around him you know the performance throughout the draft process was what he needed so to me this was really sort of boring it sort of followed a an arc you could see it was really a question of you know was 45 going to be enough for him and you know i suspected it would but that was pretty apparent by the time we got to may one so but the news that we got yesterday i don't think surprised anybody that's been paying attention and honestly good for kobe he's he's it might have surprised a few kentucky fans a few alabama fans a few auburn fans <laughs> maybe a few arkansas fans Arkansas fans were surprised for a lot of other reasons yesterday. They they, they had a tough day yesterday. Arkansas did have a tough day yesterday. Um, and depending on what Bay Fall does, it could always get worse. But we'll see. But we are an Arkansas podcast. We'll let them sift through all that wreckage from yesterday. But uh, Kobe... Uh, is- well, it was mostly... They did get Devo Davis back. Uh, but Jordan Walsh... Um, there was some question whether he would come back. He is he is staying in the draft. Um, I saw on Twitter some quote from him that was not that was, exactly endearing. Again, that uh, like Eli, he would like more context around that. I think that was um, if you read the full thing, I don't think that was quite as bad as it was made out. I think it was him sort of being reflective on his mindset and how he played, you know, within Arkansas system. That's always the danger when you snap quote out of a story and well and like that's also you know one of the things that as guys who have seen a lot of eric musselman teams uh you know he does tend to you know find very specific things that work with his team and and tend to focus very hard on them uh and a lot of those are probably not like you know jordan walsh as a ball handler uh and distributor you know no, like that was probably not going to be Arkansas's best offense. No. Um, you know, but I think like that's also reflective on sort of where college basketball is versus you know the NBA and 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 draft and development. Um, you what know, like you, you, you would probably take a guy like Walsh maybe ten fifteen years ago, develop him over, uh, you know, several years, and and turn him kind of into that guy. Um, you know, whereas now with the G League, like you can. You can go be that guy pretty quickly, despite yeah, and, becoming a and professional. The, and in the G League, they're going to give you that confidence. They're going to put you into a system that's going to feature you and give you those opportunities and let you sink or swing, swim with them. So it it made sense there. But from the Missouri what scene... Else, it, what else happened to Arkansas? Like, uh, uh, they Holland. lost Ron Holland to the G League Ignite. Uh, that had I been a little where... Eliminated them, I think, from... I don't know if he eliminated them, but it's reports are out there that he's looking more to the ACC than he is to Fayetteville. Um, There's questions. Bayfall has not reported for them. Uh, The rest of the guys showed up in Fayetteville last weekend, so Bay's about a week late, and reporters can't get him in his circle on the phone. So that's... He's uh, signed in the fall, though, right? He signed in the fall and is not reported yet, so just what you want. Uh, 
So there's that's creating some drama down there. But again, we are not an Arkansas podcast. We just occasionally <laughs> revel in uh, their discomfort. But from Kobe, you know, we could really parse this out. But this was a decision that was coming. We could see it coming down the tracks. I'm really happy for him. I, I think you know I'm the guy who wrote four years ago that he showed up as kind of a black box and the kid had a bumpy first two years, you know, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. I think some of that was role and what he was being asked to do wasn't great, but the last two years he's really, I think one system change has helped him, but he's put in the work and, you know, become, you know, the player that, you know, I think a lot of us saw the upside of on tape when he was 18, he's become that player. You, know, you, you have to give credit to him. He could have bailed last spring. He could have, you know, gone to a place I think where the future was a little bit more certain. He stayed, um, put in, you know, and bought in. I think that that's essential, you know, to a new staff, you know, to have the best guy bought in and you know working hard and giving that sweat equity, and it's paid off for him. And that's absolutely awesome to see. And you know, you hope that it continues for other guys. And it really is a throwback. You know, we talk about how much this, things have changed. Kobe really is, you know, a guy who ten or fifteen years ago, I don't think we would have been noting how unique he is but in this climate with you know the way nil and the transfer portal work he is a genuine throwback and so that's it's great to see all that pay off for him pay off for his family and you know hopefully in a couple of weeks he's going to have a really really nice time uh seeing his name fall or hearing his name fall and it it was a a a nice stretch for mizzou as well like it it, you know his development really paid off in a way um that i think you know you have to you basically have to love it if you're Dennis Gates because, you know, Kobe allowed you to essentially kind of jumpstart what a lot of people sort of figure was going to be a longer, uh, more difficult rebuild. Yeah. Um, you know, but having somebody who uh, was already playing at, you know, an all SEC level, you know, which we know that the all SEC teams are, are fairly long, um, you know, but, uh, you know, a guy that was, you know, the person who other teams game planned around, uh, and having that guy in your roster, you know, being able to fill in around him, I think, I think helps, you know, Gates and the staff a lot. And so you have to, you know, be thankful that he stuck around. He, he, he played at Missouri and he helped, uh, he helped the program rebound in a big way. So yeah. we hopefully he'll uh, be back. We'll get to see him around the program again and he'll be a fixture and, and one of those guys that becomes uh, a good spokesman for the program after they move on. But it, it is now uh, basically impossible to replace him. I think that that's something we had all sort of accepted, but Missouri is still doing some roster uh, tailoring at this point. Really late to be dropping off uh, stuff at the Taylor's office, but Missouri's trying uh, to make one more addition, it seems like, and it's one we've talked about or at a spot we've talked about a lot, and that's that's in the post. They are still trying to find a big person. Still trying. And maybe there is a very, there is a very, very big person, uh, who I believe is still on campus. Yeah. So we're recording this Thursday evening, um, mainly, uh, because we wanted to make sure we had the Kobe news to talk about. We could have gone a couple nights ago, um, you know, but figured let's make sure, you know, (laughs) that he's actually going to stay in the draft. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, so Thursday night, um, yesterday it was reported. Uh, that seven foot five inch beanpole Connor Vanover uh, for, via Oral Roberts via Arkansas via Cal mm-hmm. uh, is made his way to Columbia for an official visit. Um, we've talked about Vanover um, in previous podcasts. I don't know if you and I specifically. I know that Watkins and I talked about him a little bit last week yeah uh, as 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 a possibility um i am always leery of like really really tall kind of lumbering guys who can be played off the floor um he is that guy um in the right context and i i believe that paul mills did a good job of finding context granted it's it's a very different league um, you know, but yeah. finding good context for, for Connor and, and putting him in, in better positions. Um, yeah, you know, cause certainly hedging ball screens is not where you want, uh, Mr. Yeah, Vanover. No, no. Um, this is one where I'm sure if he commits, Arkansas fans are gonna invade mentions, you know, slandering him and saying he's terrible. I think a lot, you know, any transfer is really about role and fit. Um, I think Connor Vanover can work in the right system or if you take, or you make the right tweaks, you know, when he went to Oral Roberts, you know, Oral Roberts switches everything, you know, they do get out and they do hedge ball screens, but if it's, you know, a one five ball screen, Connor's in deep drop coverage and, you know, they're having that guy kind of get out a little bit and they have some guys pre rotate from the help side into gaps. So they put some stuff in place to account for that and to account for the fact that, you know, he's not a guy who you can really trust laterally or to recover back. You know, I don't think that's me, you know, speaking ill of a kid. That's what the tape shows teams when he played at Arkansas attacked the living hell out of him in ball screens. You know, they, they hunted him, you know, in the, you know, summit, some drop coverage and some smart help tweaks can mitigate that because it's the 24th best league in the country. We're going to start with that negative because I think that that's the rub here for Missouri is, you know, when we started the spring, finding a big was about, you know, really, I think, finding a guy who could fit what they wanted to do on the defensive end of the floor. And that was you know, a guy like Caden Shedrick who could play multiple ball screen coverages but was still good enough to get back and play in the post. You know, still had enough, you know, was light enough on his feet he could do that but still had enough, you know, of a sturdy build that he could play in the block. That, that's not Connor. You can move Connor on the block. You can play him in space. So we'll start by saying we get it. There are concerns about that into the floor. 
but that's why you pay Dennis Gates $4 million a year. That's why you pay the staff more than a million dollars a year to figure out how to mitigate those things. And I don't think they're going to do what Eric Musselman did, which is essentially punt and put him on the bench. (laughs) But I think you need context for why Musk did that. Musk really doesn't play more than seven guys. And once Jalen Williams was good to go, there was those minutes were for Jalen and they weren't for anybody else. And so Connor got sidelined and, you know, rebooted last year. Well, that so was also, uh, that was, wasn't that Justin Smith too? And, uh, when he yeah. kind of got healthy and yeah. they started playing smaller with him at the five, cause yeah. he was like a three, four hybrid at Indiana. Yeah. They, they started to go the last two years. Really? They started to go smaller at their five spot this year. They went back bigger Well, with the Mitchell twins. You could still kind of, attack a little bit in ball screens if you got him in the right spot. It was just Muss is ruthless. And in like the best sense of the word, he will optimize his lineup for the very best thing it can do and just beat you to death with it. And that's what he did. And there are guys who if you don't fit that, there's not pity minutes there. Muss is not just going to throw you five to ten minutes a game to keep you. Muss trusts himself to go into the portal and get someone to do what he needs to do. You know, Connor didn't fit what that vision was. He had to go to Oral Roberts to find a staff that would make some adaptations for him. The question is, if he comes to Missouri, if he commits to Missouri, what does that look like? What does that role look like? What does that fit look like? And to what degree is Missouri going to use him within its rotation? So I think we'll start with the questions first there because they you can't really talk about this potential addition without going at those first. And we hear it, we know what people will say, and it's there's some validity to it. This is where you trust the creativity of the staff to, to overcome it. And we, we'd have to see what they would do, but you know you can't downplay them. that They exist for a reason. Well, yeah, and I think uh, as any time that you have been exposed... Uh, to to a player uh, as as sort of as much as we were uh, as Missouri fans exposed to you know Vanover and sort of what Drew Smith and Jeremiah Tillman uh, you know did with him uh, you know like there's always going to be like a pause like one of the reasons why Missouri you know had success against that Arkansas team uh, was because like. Jeremiah Tillman was not phased by Vanover's size. Uh, you know, Drew Smith um, was not worried about, uh, you know, attacking, uh, you know, downhill against him. Uh, and Missouri put him uh, defensively in positions. Uh, again, so this is kind of on must and like what he was doing and asking, uh, you know, a, a, a guy with that level of mobility out on the perimeter to do defensively. Um, you know, but it, it, there's definitely like one of those things where you are hoping with, a, a you know, an up transfer like this, that, that there is, you know, the understanding of the staff that they're, they're going to do the right thing with him. They're not just going to ask him to play the same way they asked Noah Carter to play. They're not going to ask him to play like, you know, Kobe Brown, Um, you know, that, that what, or even like Modiara, like you can't, you can't expect Vanover to come in and, and even defend like Modiara was able to defend on the perimeter. Um, 
so I think you know there, you're d- definitely looking at different uh, styles of defense. You're you're looking at uh, you know buying maybe some yeah more more minutes in the zone. Um, you know Missouri's shown that uh, they can be you know pretty tough uh, with its own defense and uh, and and junk it up a little bit. And I think I think Dennis Gates has sort of shown throughout his coaching career that he's not afraid uh, to to sort of be a little bit junky defensively. Um, yeah. And and just get creative with with like the talent he has on hand. I think if they land a guy like Shedrick, you probably see exactly what Dennis Gates wants to to be. Uh, you know, defensively, um, they didn't, and so you you change what you want to do a little bit. And and yeah. I I think he's shown uh, at least in his, his brief tenure at Missouri and, and previously at Cleveland State that he's creative. And then he'll he'll figure out a way to kind of utilize what he has. So, and this is all saying like we, we don't even know if if the, yeah like if he's going to commit. He might might take a minute. He might go to Wichita State, see what Paul Mills is talking about. If if he's going to fit there, um, you know. But if he does commit, how he fits, uh, I think it'll it'll be interesting to uh, to watch how Gates kind of deploys both him and and Carlero, who I think. Uh, you know, there are also some questions about. Yeah. The, what I will say is this is, I like this better than Jimmy Bell. Just I, that, that entire sort of process was, was kind of head scratching because Jimmy Bell, okay. Rebounder, not a great shot blocker, no skill on offense, Grades out worse than Vanover in pick and roll defense. So, by almost every account, it made less sense to to look at Jimmy Bell than than this move. So, uh, I think you know you can say that they've at least you know found someone that's a little better fit. That the upside here is the thing, and I would point out is they were looking at a guy like Jamarian Sharp who has some mobility, has some you know lateral lateral quickness, but can still get attacked in ball screens can still get moved in post-ups and Missouri fans for two years were salivating over the idea of Jamari and Sharp. And there were real questions about what he could do against SEC caliber bigs on the block and against stronger bigs on the block to hold position, to box out and win contested rebounds. The one thing that tips this, I think in, you know, favor of, uh, of, of Connor Vanover is, there's a better offensive fit here. Um, he's a guy who is not a banger on the block. He's not going to be a guy who you're going to run a lot of punch plays for. He's a guy who is going to set screens, pop. He's going to roll or he's going to slip. Um, you can space him a little bit. He can shoot trail threes. He's going to keep your spacing the way you want, and he can play in some dribble handoffs. He can play in you know, some actions around the elbow. Again, understanding that this is a guy who, if you look at his history, is probably more of a role guy between 12 and 15 minutes game. But he can come in and he can, you know, do the things you need him to do to keep the offense flowing, to keep it in rhythm. And the real question is going to be, you know, his shot is he's a streaky three-point shooter. Can you maybe shift him more towards a rim finisher? That's not quite as much of what he was uh at Royal Roberts, they gave him carte blanche to pull, and he pulled a lot. 
but he's a better fit, I think, offensively. You know, more developed than Shedrick offensively, and definitely ahead of Jimmy Bell, but that's being balanced against, you know, like we just talked about extensively, you know, his defensive, you know, what he brings to the defensive of the floor, and are you, you know, really swapping it out and getting a net push? Um, but I, I think the bigger deal as well is this, and we can talk about this if you want, is I think it really spares you from getting into some dicey rotations and setups, lineups, uh, you know, in the front court. Um, I, I really think I would have had reservations if Jesus Carolero was your backup five. I think there would have been a lot of questions, or there will be a lot of questions if that's the case. Landing, you know, Connor Vanover, I think, would, would help the structure of the front court be a little bit more logical if they can get him in and understanding that he's buying in to, you know, sort of a reserve role here. But we'll see. We'll see what they what they come away with. Uh, yeah, and, and re- at least, you know, reserve kind of minutes because I think one of the things that, you know, having, uh, you know, somebody who can eat up more minutes at five uh, gives you is it does allow, you know, Noah Carter uh, to, you know, play a little bit more of the playmaking guy at the four, um, you know, which he's shown a propensity to, you know, be efficient in that role. Um, and I think it's probably more of a comfort level than him being a true five. Yeah. Uh, it also allows you to, um, you know, mix and match in the front court with, you know, whether it's Noah Carter, Aiden Shaw, Trent Pierce, and, and, you know, getting guys like, uh, you know, those younger guys, more experience in, a more comfortable spot, you yeah. know, like not having to find 12 to 15 minutes of, of center play from, you know, a, some kind of combination of Aiden Shaw or, or Trent Pierce or, you know, Jordan Butler, not, yeah. not needing those guys and then taking, uh, you know, what they provide you, you know, once they, they sort of show up and get more acclimated. Yeah. And you can also, I think, put, you know, Jesus more in the four spot where I think he'll be a better fit as facilitating big in that spot. So landing Connor Vanover, presuming that's that's the goal here and they wouldn't bring him on campus if it wasn't, I think, you know, we can nitpick and we can have genuine qualms about his game and fit, but on balance, I think it would be, a, you know, a pickup that, you know, we can look at and say, okay, this is a, a net positive for, for the program if they can get him in. Again, particularly at this point, because... Man, the shelves are empty. The shelves are empty right now. And, you know, if you just look at the potential, you know, performance ratings for Vanover, he, he's probably one of the four or five best options still on the board right now. And hey, probably, Evan Mia, uh, BPR loves him. Yep, and he's one of the top 25 bigs this spring in terms of that BPR rating. So it, to get a guy like that in early June, you know, that that's that's better than the alternative right now because after that, once you get outside of Vanover, Olivier Nakamwa, Grant Nelson, you're starting to really like have to hope that David Woka, uh, a bench guy for UNLV, could help you. Then you're really getting into either freshmen like Andromedyange, who we've talked about. You're looking at Isaiah Miranda, who isn't considering Missouri, and then just guys who are really, really, real deep in the weeds here. 
if Connor Van Over committed tonight, he'd be the 95th big out of like the top 110 bigs to come off the board. We're we're, we're late. This is so. This is uh, you, you can't really nitpick at this point. And you know, on balance, it's it's probably the best you could do right now outside of Kamala or Nelson at this at this juncture in the portal season. So, well, uh, I was asked, uh, in fact, I think you were tagged as well. Um, I don't know, like Twitter's such a mess these days. Um, I noticed a res- like a reply to this tweet, um, but somebody was asking and had tagged the both of us in a, a tweet asking about Nkamwa um, and sort of like what I, you know, and I know uh, I've t- talked to, Watkins Watkins loves the idea of Nkamwa. Uh, was kind of I think kind of hoping that maybe there was some way to get inroads, but uh, you know, like a lot of the time with these uh, with these recruitment, like if you're not in early with you know strong nil bids early, uh, then you're you're probably a little late to the party. Um, and while I do think that Missouri not having Kobe Brown come back could make a competitive offer in that, in that arena to maybe try to get in with a Kamwa. It does seem like Kamwa has at least reduced his options down to what West Virginia, Michigan, Michigan. Kansas state, uh, Baylor and Memphis and, and Baylor and Memphis as well. Yeah. Memphis supposedly in there as well. So that's, I mean, that's realistically he's at five. He's already taken four visits. He's, you know, I'm not sure if he will or will visit Memphis not, but he will have visits to West Virginia, Kansas State, Baylor, and Michigan. I mean, the the thought there was Michigan was the leader early on. Um, West Virginia's collective is really, really strong. They've put in, I don't know, a, a really, really quality offer, supposedly. Uh, trying to, is, they're trying to let, you know... Uh, Bob Huggins go out in a high note, I believe. Yeah, they they're 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 making a push to have a big spring and to hit big next year. Baylor has had a rough spring. They've lost some guys. Uh, they did get Ray J. Dennis today at point guard, but Conwell would be a really really good pickup for them. K State is sort of hunting for that three four hybrid guy to replace Keontae Johnson, so Conwell's a good fit there for that role. Um, you know. We like him, we love him, we saw him a lot last year. He'd be great to have here, but it's just a question of, you know, if a guy's going in the portal and is already taking those visits, there's been some backgrounding work that's happened there. So I think it's just, even if the money was theoretically there, time is probably short there for him. Um, same with Grant Nelson, you know. I, I think Nelson's you know, far enough along in his process that I think, you know, he's got a sense of what he's going to do. So I, I think that's the thing we've got to realize here is you sort of have to make a commit to a path and go to it. And Missouri, you know, waited to see what Kobe would do. He's out and now you're making the best of it. And Vanover is probably, you know, depending on what you want, if you just wanted a guy that was all defense and rebounding and just straight rim finishing, Dave and Woko might be there, but this staff values skill at the five, so it's going to go with Vanover, you know, as that sort of option for them, and they'll figure it out or potentially go that route. So, Livian and Common, we'd love to have you, but I just don't think that's going to be 
uh, a viable option at this point. Yeah, uh, much sadness to, uh, I don't um, have the tweet in front of me, sorry, um, but I will find it uh, tomorrow and, and at least let you know that we answered the question uh, on the pod. And uh, also that same answer provides lots of sadness for our, our dear friend, Matt Watkins. He is a, he is a big fan of, of going after Kamala. Aspirations died quickly for him. I tried to be modest with Ibrahima Diallo, and he's going to UCF. So we're all we're all sad here. Um, but we're getting down to it here. I, I, the guys report by the end of this week. Summer school starts next Monday. June is voluntary workouts. I mean, portal season's about done. We've probably got a week left, and then it's full right. off-season load. Yeah, if if guys are going to go in, they're they're already in. Um, I think you know there was always going to be that hope that you know maybe some grad transfers kind of popped here uh, once the de- once the deadline passes. Uh, but I didn't really see a whole lot of guys kind of going back to school that I thought uh, would be like the answer. Um, yeah. You know that that majority is. So I don't even, like didn't really seem like there was a lot there to begin with. Um, you know, but it does. I mean, it at least looks like if Missouri's got Van over on campus, there's there's mutual interest there. Uh, if if that works out, then you know, I I really like. I think you can be done. He, he's not. He's not my first choice. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that. Oh, like I'm gonna. I'm thrilled with this. Uh, with with how they wrapped up. You know, they're big. Like, I I think they went hard after the guy that they really wanted. They missed. And they pivoted, and the pivot was question and, and Vanover, who uh, come with question marks. I mean, there, that's that's. I don't think there's any other way around it. Um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about you know the question marks with Carolaro, uh, and um, you know we've spoken uh, even on this pod at length about Vanover. Um, you know, but I will also point out that uh, if you're an in you know, an optimist looking for, uh, you know, a sort of hopeful finish to, to whatever, you know, conversation is around that is that, you know, like there's reason to believe that Dennis Gates is pretty good at this. I don't think very many people picked, uh, Missouri to, to land a top four seed in the sec last year. They did that. Um, it, you know, it, it helped having Kobe Brown, uh, have the season he did. But also helped having Demoy Hodge have the season he did, and it helped having, uh, you know, guys who like really DeAndre Golston. I mean, none of us thought that he was going to be as much of a fixture in the rotation as he was, uh, and perform better than he did at you know at Milwaukee, which is like which is, I think, exceedingly crazy. Like yeah, like that's that's not normal. Um, you know, and no disrespect to, to Dre because. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the course of the season, you, you end up like really just, you know, really rooting for guys. And like, I had a blast rooting for that guy. Um, you know, going into the season, I really did not expect him to even be in the top eight. And there he was starting pretty much every game. Yeah. I I think the, you know, we'll have probably a, we'll probably do a pod where we just kind of walk through the roster know once it's finalized but 
I think the hard part here is you had really probably three or four objectives in you know when the offseason ended. One, this this team was really, really depleted in the backcourt at times, and it really, really strained the guys that were available. And I think it handicapped them, you know, in terms of what they could do to find solutions in games, because you really only had three to four combinations that could work. So they needed depth back. You know, that's one having a fully available Zay, but I think getting different kinds of guards and not guys that you needed to carry, you know, the water for you because you were going to have two returning ball handlers. You're going to, you know, if you have Zay, you've really got, you know, the guts of a, of a good backcourt right there. You've got two ball handlers and you've got a primary score. You really needed wing depth and they got John Tanji, who I, I still think people are really, really underrating John Tanji <laughs> as to what he can give this team. Yes. <laughs> And you're really underrating what John Tanji can give this because he's the first guy in the boat. Um, really watching him take. He committed so fast, and it's just like yeah. I mean, there there was it was hard to build him up when he commits that fast. Yeah, but that but that's there. But they got guard depth. They got different kinds of guards, so they solved that problem. The question's going to be, you know, can the shooting scale and translate? Yeah, but they've got guys who've shown that they can be at best or at worst kind of median jump shooters. And in this offense, with the spacing and the way that they've been able to create the quality of shots that they got last year, there's some hope that that'll translate. So they've got some diverse guards to fill out depth and give themselves flexibility. They got some shooting back. Realistically, you know, the other two things that they needed were, you know, probably a secondary score if Kobe left. And they've, you know, started that with Caleb Love, and then they went and looked at Matt Cleveland. Both of those didn't pan out. But that's hard because, you know, you can, if you're still trying to keep, you know, as we've said before, if you were trying to keep Kobe in the budget, what can you really do for those guys? You know, when somebody else can go full freight there. But you could see why they went after them because they needed to have, you know, a, another guy that could just go get them 20 points a night. That didn't pan out. So now you're going to need to have that depth really sort of backfill and collaborate to, you know, provide what what you're losing with Kobe. The other thing they needed was a big, you know, whether that was a starter or whether that was a veteran presence that could at least give them rim protection. This group's got to rebound better as a whole. The entire roster has to rebound better as a whole. You know, if you look up and down at rebounding percentages, even from the guards, Missouri was not good at one through five. One guy, one big is not going to solve all your rebounding problems. They've got to do that better collectively, but they needed someone who I think could give them some back help on the back end. They had not found that yet. If they can get Van over in the boat, he has shown at very similar levels he can rebound defensively and he can give you some rim protection. There are other issues associated with that, but he has shown at Cal, he's shown at Oral Robertson, he's shown at Arkansas, he can give you defensive rebounding, he can give you some some you know coverage as a rim protector. If they get that, they'll have covered three of the four things they need. And not landing another alpha score will make sense, you know, given, you know, the possible NIL constraints that existed. They've done a lot here, but this was not a roster that really needed to go out and get four high caliber starters. They maybe needed one, and then they needed some quality guys to give themselves some flexibility in the rotation. Again, caveat if they can if they get Vanover, I think they will have done that. They'll have gotten a lot of what they needed to get done this spring. Maybe not on the timetable that we wanted, 
and then you know quickly and to be expedited. But if they get it, most of that work done, I think they're going to be okay next going into next year. But we'll do a better kind of breakdown of the roster at some point later this summer. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, we'll have uh, have lots of time. In the meantime, uh, as we're kind of getting close to needing to wrap this up, uh, any 2024s um, that you're paying particular attention to over the next... Uh Really paying attention to Dallas Thomas, really paying attention to Amr Butang, paying attention to John Bull, paying attention to a guy that I really like. I don't know where he is on the board right now. He's visited, but I thought he had a really, really productive week uh, in the UIBL last weekend. Is T.O. Barrett, a combo guard out of uh, out of uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. Ran with Team Griffin last year, running with Mo Can this year. Really, really like him. Really, really, you know, I think... He's a guy in the 120 to 140 range at the composite, a three- or four-year guy, but uh, I really thought he had a good weekend. Some scouts who were in uh, Memphis for the EYBL really, really thought he had a strong weekend. I think you probably need to just get a ball handler in every class. Uh, I like Barrett. I think he can play either spot. You know, I like him as a point-of-attack defender, um, understands how to play off a really, really good point guard and a guy like Curtis Gibbons. So, He's a guy that I, if you get a chance to like look up some clips of him, go look at T.O. Barrett. He's a guy that I, that I don't think is going to get as much run early, but I thought he had a really nice weekend. So I'll, I'll, I'll put in a plug for him over the usual names. So I'm a big fan of Slim after watching some more of him. Um, I thought uh, very much in the fierce mold. Yeah, I feel like his uh, his shot his shot mechanics have really have really come around. Um, so he's a guy that. Uh, I would, I would prioritize that. And I'll be honest, like uh, last fall, um, he was much lower on my personal, uh, list, um, yeah. guys that they sort of had in, um, but credit to, to, to Gates. And is that, is he a, uh, Smith Peters recruit? Yeah. He's a Smith Peters recruit. Uh, so uh, credit to, to, to Kyle for maybe recognizing that, um, I, I kind of thought his, his jumper was a little bit of a, of a mess. It was a little bit slow last year. Yeah, um, it needed some. But he's worked on it. Yeah, it's it's it looks quicker. a lot better. It's a lot more fluid, a little quicker off the release. Um, they've they've taken a lot of the sort of delay out of it. It gets out of his hand a lot quicker. Um, guy that I, I I think the debate I think folks will have that I think is if you really want to get wonky is do you prefer Marcus Allen or Honor Butang? I think if you really really value guys who are, you know great defensively and under and buy into that into the floor 
you know, can, you know, finish plays, has an evolving shot, you know, could be a three and D type wing. You like Marcus Allen. If you like a guy who I think is going to have a little bit more advanced scoring package, Honor Butang is a guy you, you're going to go with. I know you're a big Honor Butang guy. Um, so that that's one that I would pay attention to. Um, the big man situation is going to be interesting. Jaron Stevenson looks like that's sort of drifting out to sea a little bit. Yeah, tre- trending down a little bit. Trending down a little bit. Um, look, he was at he was took he finally took an official visit to North Carolina this week. It sounds like the question is whether or not they would take him as a reclass right now. They've already taken Elliot Cadeau, a point guard, as a reclass. And I, it's not the question they don't want Jaron Stevenson. Is is he going to be cool with essentially maybe not being quite a plug-and-play featured guy for them this year? But uh, it looks like Alabama... It's hard to get uh, it's hard to get that big boy in uh, Chapel Hill off the floor unless he's hurt. Uh, yeah, and yeah, Mondo... Uh, Mondo claims minutes. Yeah, he uh, he deserves them. Uh, John Bull, I think, has looked better. You know, I think if you're watching John, I think you have to understand it's going to be a multi-year process in the offensive end. But hands look better, looks better making contested catches in traffic and trying to get to finishes. Still rim runs his ass off and gets in position for that stuff. Um, posting is, I think, something you're going to put off for now. Um, but you can see all the physical tools are there for him. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I watched this weekend that I was really, really uh, keen on. I didn't get to see as much of the 26s. Uh, oh, the 25s. Aaron Rowe was not there. Marcus was pounded. The 26. I, I'm not uh, watching the 26s yet. I, I'm not. I'm not flipping on the 15U games yet. I'm. I probably I won't even look at 25s until the fall, if I'm honest. Uh, I'll watch them in Peach Jam probably, um, just because some of them may come off. May, may maybe coming off visits if they've got them, but yeah, I'm not quite into the 25s yet. I'm still trying to get a sense for where the portal season has, has messed it up. I don't get to see these guys usually in the April period because I'm watching full games of potential transfers, but uh, there's the guys Mizzou's targeting are, are all really, really good. I think you could make a case that if you want to put together your ideal class, it would probably be Bowl, Thomas, I would take a guy like Barrett as a ball handler just because I'm with you. I think you got to get a ball handler in every class and a big in every class. Um, and then it's really, you know, just, you know, the wing of your choice uh, would be the one I want there. But it's, yeah, I, I think, and I've, I've said this before, if if I'm running a program, I try to take uh, a, a, a ball handler, a, a wing, um, and a, and a and post in every, 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 every class. Um, and get the best one you can, and and let the numbers kind of work themselves out. So, uh, yeah. And I'd say yeah. The and then yeah, the if if they end up with a four man class, I think yeah, like I I think you know Thomas Bull, um, you know uh, Botang and uh, and Barrett, you could you could do a lot worse. That's a that's a damn good class. That's that's a damn good class. So you can put that together. Anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, no, it's uh, even for a slow you time. You want to bring up your, your, your Cougs hoodie? Where, where Kyle Smith stands here. We always have, man. I've got, uh, I'm sporting Allagash uh, Brewery from Portland, Maine. Uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll have to get mine when I'm out there, but no, uh, yeah, I, uh, 
Watkins and I have our predilections, and Kyle Smith uh, fan, fandom is one of them. So, uh, yeah, when I went out west, we stopped through Pullman on a drive and had to had to get my uh, my Cougs hoodie. Uh, so that's what I'm going with tonight. Cougs on a hiring freeze. Um, Pac-12. I don't, know, I don't know if you you know about that, but I saw that. Uh, yeah, no. Tight times on the Palouse. Who is the the uh, the Pac-12 director? Is it is it Larry Scott? No, Larry Scott's gone. I can't remember who it is, but their new uh, commissioner still can't get a TV deal deal done. No, no, no. I like he was he was the previous. Oh yeah, Larry Scott, right? Yeah, yeah. Scott. So he was basically taking more money than he should have, and uh, and distributing the money to schools. Got caught by uh, whoever the you know rights holder was. And so they froze money going to the Pac-12. So Pac-12 does not like distributing money. So that's why, like, why Washington State's like, all right, we're on a hiring freeze, um, which is, which is cool. That's why the Pac-12 may not be around for very much longer. Um, we'll see. Anyway, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, if you like this, make sure that you are subscribed. Uh, to our podcast feed. Uh, if you are, then you have already heard probably all the wonderful things uh, that Nate and, and BK had to say in the most recent before the box score. Uh, you can follow Matt on the Twitter sphere at MattJHarris85. You can follow me at CMT Snelling. Follow flagship reclamation.com. Uh, also at Data Mizzou is our boy, uh, Matt Watkins. Follow him as well. Uh, he likes to, to you know, tweet out obscure gifts, uh, you know, hinting at uh, whatever may be coming down the road. We do no such no. hinting. I do, I do no hinting. There's no hinting gifts for me at all. There's just yeah. succession gifts, just succession gifts. That's it. And those are usually sent to, uh, to Watkins. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, we're out of here. We've we've said enough. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Have a good night. Thanks, guys.